All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today at Walk Church. I'm Pastor Hyden here, and I'm excited to jump right into the book of Ruth, picking up right where we left off last week. If you didn't get a chance to watch last week, at some point, go to walkchurch.com or our Walk Church YouTube channel and make sure you watch last week's message, Optimistic Faith, to just give you some context around where we're at today. We're in chapter two. We're going to pick it up in verse eight just here in a second, but let me just go ahead and give you the the cliff notes, the, the snapshot version of what's happened up to this point. We're in the book of Ruth, and so far we've met characters like Naomi. We've met her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who has chosen to travel with Naomi out of this paganistic city called Moab and journey back to home, which is Bethlehem, where there's bread. Bethlehem, by name, is the city of bread, the house of bread. And Naomi says, I got to go get that bread. And Ruth says, I got to go with you. And your people are going to be my people. And your God is going to be my God. And your faith, I'm going to have that same faith. And where you get buried one day, I'm going to get buried there too. What a level of commitment. This is, this is a conversion. This is a saving faith moment for Ruth where she puts her faith in the God of the Bible who would one day send the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and by her faith, she's counted as righteous. She makes her way to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, Naomi. They're greeted there by the women of the town. It's kind of an awkward moment, right? Naomi says, yeah, I came back empty. If you guys remember, I left here full. I had a husband. I had two sons. I came back empty. She doesn't even give any acknowledgement to Ruth, but that doesn't stop Ruth from having optimistic faith. Amen? Optimism means I have hope and confidence that the future is going to be better than it was in my past. And so we see Ruth and Naomi, they, they settle down and they get into a place and a posture where they're, they're, they're finding their lane, but they don't have much, right? They don't have provision. They don't have family. They don't have protection. They need some bread. Well, one day I love how Ruth says, I can't wait for this to happen. By faith, I have to go make this happen, right? I got to step out with optimism. I'm going to step out in faith. And just a reminder of Ruth chapter two, verse two, here's what she says, right? Ruth two says, let me go to the field, glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And Naomi said to her, go my daughter, right? I love how Ruth says, hey, if I just go out, right, if I go to the field, here's what I know. I'm going to come across a divine appointment. If I go to the field by faith, I know that God is going to open up a door for us because he loves us and he's going to take care of us. Even though I'm a foreigner, he still is looking out for us, right? She has this optimistic faith. She goes by faith to a field and just so happens to pick the field of a guy named Boaz. Everybody say, what up, Bo? Right? What up, Boaz? Boaz makes his way onto the scene, and it just so happens that Boaz is from the the tribe and clan of Elimelech, right? Which makes him a, a relative, a family friend, a person of peace, somebody who has family ties to Naomi, which means that he's an option, right? And that he's gonna look out and take care of his relatives, right? So, they, so, so we see Ruth. She just so happens to land at this field at just the right time when Boaz makes his way there, and she's just gleaning, right? She's just trying to pick up the scraps from those who are the reapers. And while she's there from morning to night, 
Boaz shows up and he pulls aside one of his young men and he says, hey, who's this girl right here? Right? What, what does she do? I don't, I've never seen her before. She just looks different. I don't know who she is, but I want to know who she is. Give me the breakdown. Give me the scouting report. And, and, and the young man begins to tell his boss, Boaz, Here's, this is her deal. She, she showed up early morning. She said, I just want to work. I just want to serve. I just want to glean. It's probable that she told her testimony to this man and probably said something like, I'm from Moab. I'm a Moabite. I'm a foreigner. I get it. I know it. It's weird. It's awkward. But I believe in your God. And I came with Naomi, who's from this area. And my husband died. And it's been a really hard season. And I'm just here by faith to, to, to get that bread. And the, the young man says, well, I guess you can glean over here. And that's where we stopped last week. Come on, take a breath with me. <sighs> Woo! Say, let's eat. Come on, if you're ready to eat from God's word and pick it up right into verse eight today, come on, say, let's eat. Let's go get that bread in the word. Well, before we eat from this word, let's pray. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Speak to us through this word today. God, we don't need to hear inspiration from a person. We don't need to hear a pep talk. We don't need to hear an emotionally driven message. What we need to hear is truth from the word. What we need to hear is facts from the word. What we need to hear is the gospel through the word. What we need to do is lean into your word. So God, speak to us today. Come on, wherever you're watching this right now, speak this by faith out loud with me, out loud right now. Say, Lord, speak to me. Come on, one more time. Jesus, speak to me in your name for your glory. Amen. 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 So here we are in verse 8. I want to preach to you from the message title today, Leadership Lessons from Boaz. Leadership Lessons from Boaz. What we're going to do is we're going to lean in to Boaz's conversation with Ruth. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick 10. Yeah, I said it, 10 leadership points to pull out from this brother named Boaz. And you may be saying right now, what makes Boaz such a great leader? And a simple answer would be, well, we're still talking about him, right? This was thousands of years ago. He made the Bible, right? He was an influencer. He was a leader. He was a man of wealth and good standing. He was a leader. He was a CEO and boss of his own field and had people that worked for him he was a leader. Not only was he a leader, but he was a man of God. When he showed up on the scene last week, he said, the Lord bless you, right? He, he showed up pronouncing favor to his team. This brother is a leader, and I want to grow in my leadership personally by looking at his life. So we're going to have 10 points, and we're, we're going to take them in bite-sized moments. And if we don't get through all 10, guess what? We'll just pick it up where we left off next week. Deal? You sound, sound good to you? Well, let's get it. All right, verse number eight says that, then Boaz said to Ruth, here we go. Boaz is about to spark this conversation with Ruth. This is the first time they are ever going to speak. Boaz, in verse eight, he, he said to Ruth, now, listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in any other field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. I just want to highlight that first part when he says it like this. He says, now listen, my daughter, 
Interesting phrase there for the first time Boaz speaks to Ruth. The first leadership tip that I want to pull from Boaz is that he treats Ruth with respect. Here's what I want you to know. Good leaders treat people with respect. Notice what Boaz doesn't do. Boaz doesn't say, hey, Moabite woman, Moabitess, hey, foreigner, hey, what are you doing here? Why are you trespassing? Why are you on my field? Why are you trying to glean from my grains? What, what are you doing? Who are you? You look different. You talk different. You think different. Why are you here? He doesn't assume those things. He doesn't say those things. In fact, here's what he does do. He treats her with respect. He actually refers to her with family language. Now, most commentators say Boaz was a contemporary, most likely, of Naomi. Right? He was probably similar in age. He was probably a little bit older than Ruth. And so maybe that's one of the reasons why he refers to her as daughter. But I think there's another point here when it comes to respect that I just want to take this leadership point from. I'm so grateful that he sees Ruth as this family language daughter, maybe even daughter of the Lord, before he sees her as a potential spouse. And I just want to say that to the singles watching this right now. If you're about to go dating, which I'm all for dating, right? As long as you think that the person you're dating is a potential spouse, I think that's wise. But before you see them as a potential spouse, see them as a son or a daughter of the king, right? He, he sees her with respect, right? Just picking up some leadership tips from Boaz right here that he starts the conversation with a posture of respect. He says, listen, my daughter, I wonder if Ruth for that moment said, my daughter, you're like the boss and CEO of this field and you just referred to me with family language? That's what's up. So I think the first point that I get from Boaz as a leader is to treat people with respect. Respect means admiration for someone, right? If you're going to be an effective leader of people, it's going to start by respecting the people that God has put in your life. This is an area that I'm working on, that I'm growing in, to see people and to not assume things right away, but to see people and to see people as created in God's image and in his likeness, to see people as people that Jesus Christ died for on the cross 2,000 years ago, rose from the grave, they are worthy of respect. Amen? Come on, amen. First leadership point, treat people with respect. The second leadership point, as it goes on, he says, Ruth, do not glean in another field or leave this one. The second leadership tip that I see here is that he provides helpful insight. I love how Boaz, he says, look, I got to give you some insight. I want to provide some helpful direction to you. You're not from around here. I get it. Let me go ahead and give you some helpful insight. Notice again, Boaz, he, right, he doesn't withhold information. He doesn't give her faulty information. He doesn't judge her on the spot with those types of things. In fact, he says, look, I, I know this area better than anybody else. It's actually my field. Let me give you some helpful insight. Here's what he says. He says, don't glean in another field or leave this one. Here's the insight from Boaz. I want you here. I love for you to stay. Boaz had all the right in the world and even biblically 
to say thanks, but no thanks. Thanks for coming out. I'm glad you wanted to serve, and I'm glad you wanted to work, and I'm glad you thought that you could get some, some grain here. But that's not how this works. You got to go, right? You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. No, he says, I want you to stay here. I love how Boaz is the type of leader that says, here, stay here a little while. I, I want to invest in you. I want to see you grow. I want to empower you. I, I don't want you to leave. My friend, just listen to me right now. Right? As the senior pastor of Walk Church from my wife Nina and I as well, we, we, we don't want you to leave. We want you to stay a little while, stay a long while, lean in, get better, jump into the word of God, worship God, get to know the God of this book with us here at Walk Church in Las Vegas, Nevada, and beyond. We believe that to be true. Boaz says, don't go glean in another field or leave this one. I see potential in you. Good leaders see potential in other people. Good leaders see leadership in other people. Good leaders see things that people can't even see themselves. Ruth didn't know that she was going on a leadership development moment that day. She was just trying to get some bread. But Boaz sees her and says, I see something in you. Don't go. Stay here. Friend, hear me. If you're going to be an effective leader of people, look for opportunities to give people helpful insight. If there's an opportunity to give somebody a helpful word, a helpful piece of information, something that they may be missing, maybe it's a blind spot and you can help them see that but with grace and humility, that's what Ruth needed to know, right? Ruth got there, the boss comes. I wonder if Ruth was like, I'm about to be out. She needed to know, can I stay or not? And I love how Boaz, he meets that request and says, don't leave. I want you here. Let's keep on reading. Let's go into verse nine, continuing the dialogue between Boaz and Ruth. Here's what Boaz says. He says, keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Here's the third leadership point. Boaz invites Ruth into community. I love how Boaz says, hey, look, I don't want you to do this thing alone. If you're going to stay, I respect you. I honor you. I'm glad that you're here. I want to give you helpful insight, and I don't want you to do this alone. I want to surround you with community. Verse 9 says, he says, keep close to my young women. I wonder if the younger women that were there were like, mm, who is this? Why are you creeping into our field? This is our grain. This is our work. Why is this Moabitess coming up in here? And actually Boaz says, I'm glad that you're here. These are our younger women. They serve in these different capacities. I want to introduce you to them. Hang out with them. Get plugged in with them. Helpful and effective leaders invite other people into community. Right? There's no such thing as Lone Ranger, do-it-yourself, solo Christianity. Your faith will not survive if you try to walk this Christian life out by yourself. One of the reasons why Jesus starts his ministry and calls 12 disciples to walk with is because he was modeling, this isn't a Lone Ranger sport. Right? I think it's 
Christian suicide. It's faith that's not gonna make it if you try to have a lone ranger faith. Right? Proverbs teaches us, Proverbs 18 says, the person who isolates themselves is foolish. Friend, don't be foolish. If you're watching this with somebody right now, look at them and say, hey, friend, friend, don't be foolish. Right? Don't isolate yourself. Get into community. Now, it might have to be smaller group community, right, during this pandemic time, but nonetheless, don't do it by yourself. Boaz, as a leader, he says, we walk together, right? There's an African proverb, maybe you've heard it before. It says, if you want to go far, go alone, right? Or no, no, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. He says, if you want to go fast, if you want to go get there quick, Go by yourself, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. If you want to go far, go. We, we want to go far here at Walk Church. Boaz was a leader that wanted to go far. Let's go ahead. Let's keep on maneuvering through these points right here. The next verse says that, Boaz says, have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Right? Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? So now what he's doing as a leader is he's prioritizing protection. I love how Boaz right here, he's prioritizing the protection of Ruth. He says, look, you're probably feeling a little bit awkward at this point. You're probably unsure if you should stay or not. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I want to get in this community. What about those young men that are looking at me kind of weird? Are they going to hurt me or harm me? What happens right here is this. He says, I'm prioritizing your protection. Don't even worry about that. I've already talked to the young men and said, don't touch her. She's with me. She's with us. She's on our team. Leave her alone. He prioritizes protection. I want to encourage you, if you're a leader, make sure that the people that you're leading understand that you have their best interest for them, that you're prioritizing the protection that's needed. And sometimes it looks like having a hard conversation. Sometimes it looks like grabbing somebody that you think could maybe be a threat and saying, hey, look, here's what's happening. Here's what's going to happen. Here's not what's not going to happen. That, that good leaders prioritize protection for the people that they're leading. Do whatever you have to do in Christ to prioritize that for your family, to prioritize that for your loved ones, to prioritize that for people within our church, for people within our city, right? Good leaders prioritize affection, protection, amen? And affection, I like that right there. Okay, let's keep on going. Now he's looking out, he's prioritizing, he's inviting her into community, he's giving her helpful insight, right? Boaz is leading with initiation. The next thing that he says that I think is really helpful, he says that when you get thirsty. When you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Fifth point, there's a leader here that we see from Boaz is that he says, I'm going to provide for your essential needs. Boaz says, here's, here's what I know. There's some essential needs that you have. For example, you got to drink water. And the 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 reality is, in order for Ruth to go get water, she would have had to left the site, she would have had to left this field, found a well far and miles away, 
dug up water from this well, drink her water, bring this heavy pail of water back to where she was gleaning, and that would have been her task. But no, she has a leader of leaders. Boaz says this, I want you to know something, Ruth. When you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Boaz says, my young men have already went and fetched all this water, and guess what? You get to drink from it too. Look at these moments from Ruth. I'm sure she's like, man, wow. You've given me helpful insight. You've called me family language, right? You've surrounded me with community, right? You've surrounded me with protection. You've even allowed me to drink from the same water as your team. This is good leadership development from Boaz. This is when you get thirsty. I got you. I like this phrase. Maybe you've heard it before, but it's simply this. Where God guides, God provides, right? If God guides you to this field like he did for Ruth, he's going to provide the essential needs that you need. When you step out by faith and are obedient to the calling on your life, the provision will follow. We talked about that last week, right? Sometimes I heard it put like this. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Come on, God always pays for whatever he orders. So as you follow his will for your life, just know that he's gonna meet you there. He's gonna provide for every need that you have. And he's gonna leave a tip because our God is a generous God. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? Proverbs 3.28 is a challenging verse. You know, I read the Proverbs every day and it's an encouraging thing for you to do as well. Proverbs 3.28 says this, don't say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. I like how Boaz, he's, he's modeling this verse. He goes, look, I know my young men have water with them. I'm not gonna say, hey, maybe later we'll get it to you. He's a man of his word. Boaz says, look, I'm gonna keep the word. We got water here right now, and if we got water, it's gonna be for you too. Boaz is leading by example. So let me go ahead and run through those five one more time. Good leaders, take some of these notes and try to apply these with your life. It's Father's Day. Come on, fathers that are watching this, apply these five principles and leadership tips from Boaz. Number one, treat others with respect. Treat your family, your spouse, your, your children with respect. Provide helpful insight where you feel like you can give a word of wisdom, a word of counsel, a word of insight. Don't selfishly withhold that. Lean in and share that. Number three, Invite people into community, right? Don't let people just straggle along or stay by themselves. That's how people get hurt. That's how the enemy tries to creep in and create doubt and attack people. It's oftentimes when they're alone. The devil tempted Jesus the most when he was in the wilderness by himself. We're not called to walk this life out alone. We're called to walk it in community. Four, prioritize protection. Make sure that those who are closest to you and around you are, are feeling that sense of protection from you. One way to provide protection is prayer. Pray God's protection over your family, over the people that you lead, even if it's your business. This is effective leadership. Number five, provide the essential needs. The people that you're leading, whatever they need, make sure you're providing it. Make sure that you're getting the needs met as best as you can. 
If you got it, say, I got it. Well, there's more to come. Let's look at Ruth's response. Ruth's response to these five leadership tips is amazing and humbling at the same time. Verse 10 tells us, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? Ruth says, I'm a Moabite. Why have I found favor in your sight? You're Boaz. You're from the clan of Elimelech. You're from this area. You're a boss. You're a leader. You're an effective leader. And you're taking notice of me? You actually see me and you're talking to me and referring to me this way? Right? She's aware of her background. She even says, I'm a foreigner. The CSB study Bible says it like this. As a Moabitess, she could easily have been ignored by Boaz, but he had noticed her and shown kindness to her. I find it interesting here that it says, why have I found favor in your eyes? Do you see that interesting as well? Especially if you read this last week, right? Just eight verses before, Ruth is saying, hey, I'm gonna go to the field and I'm gonna find favor in someone's eyes. The thing that I noticed here as I read this is that Ruth had optimistic faith, but she didn't have expectant faith. Come on, right? Do you see the difference? One is I'm optimistic. Something's gonna happen today. I'm optimistic. I'm gonna have a divine appointment. It's gonna happen. But expectant faith isn't surprised when it happens. Right, eight verses before, Ruth chapter two, verse two, Ruth's there, she's saying it. Hey, look, Naomi, check this out. I'm going to the field, and when I get there, I'm gonna glean, and I'm gonna work hard, and I'm gonna find favor in the person who owns that field. Now, it actually happens, and Ruth is on her knees and on her face saying, how did I find favor in your eyes? Like she didn't pray that prayer. Like she didn't have that faith. Friend, I wanna encourage you with something. Don't just stop at optimistic faith. Go beyond optimistic faith. Come on, listen, look at me. I want to talk to you really quick. Go, go beyond optimistic faith. Go beyond that to expectant faith. Learn how to start praising God in advance. Learn how to talk to God and say, Jesus, look, I don't know how this thing is going to finish up. I don't know the outcome yet. I'm going to praise you for it already because I'm expecting it's going to be good. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I got confidence and hope. But you know what? When it happens, I'm not even going to be surprised. I knew it was going to happen. I'm ready for it to happen. I'm believing God that it's going to happen. Right? This is a powerful moment in Ruth's life where she said, I'm going to find favor. And then suddenly she finds favor in the person and presence of Boaz. And now she's saying, how could it be that I found favor? Can I just go ahead and tell you something? Right? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says it like this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think. Just the fact that Naomi thought it. Just the fact that Ruth thought it. Just the fact that she thought, you know what? If I go to the field, I'll find favor. I think just the fact that she thought that and spoke that, God said, I can do that in your life. Suddenly, Ruth is there at the field, and suddenly, Boaz comes there right at that 
moment and she finds that favor. I just want to encourage you to have expectant faith. Right? I said this last week. I don't, I'm not quite sure in all humility where our church is going to meet publicly next month or whenever it happens. Right? We're working hard. We want this to happen. We're excited about it happening. We want to meet together. And I don't quite know where it's going to be yet. We're working hard to figure it out, and hopefully we have that answer soon. But let me go ahead and tell you something. I'm expecting it's going to be good. When God shows us and when he drops it on us, when he opens up that door and gives us the clarity and the green light, I'm already expecting I'm going to praise him. I'm going to pray. Come on, just praise him now with me right now. It's going to be good. Come on, just say it. It's going to be good. When it happens, don't get surprised. When it happens, start to praise, right? Turn that surprise into a moment of celebration because God is on the move. It's expectant faith. Habakkuk chapter one, verse five, God says this. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. Have expectant faith. Ruth, have expectant faith. If you, if you pray it, it could happen. Right? Don't be so surprised when God answers the prayers that you pray. Have expectant faith. Let's keep reading. If you're ready, say, let's keep reading. It says, Boaz answered her, but Boaz answered her in verse 11. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The sixth leadership characteristic that we see from Boaz is this. He speaks words of affirmation. He speaks words of affirmation over Ruth. I'm convinced that church, we have to do a better job of this. That we have to do a better job of talking to people in our church and in our lives and in our family and just speaking words of affirmation saying, I, I see this in you. I heard this about you, and I affirm it. Right? Ruth, she, she lays down prostrate on her face, and she says, how is it that I've found favor in your sight, Boaz? How is it that you took notice of me? And Boaz responds, I heard about you. I heard your testimony. I heard your story. And I just want to go ahead and affirm that right now. He goes, I've heard all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, it's been fully told to me. How you left your father and your mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. I love how Boaz, he's affirming her story. Boaz leans into Ruth's testimony, leans into her pain, leans into her hurt, and starts to have a spirit of understanding and lets her know he understands. He says, when I heard about that, I just want to go ahead and affirm that. And, and a leadership principle from Ruth is this. Have a good reputation. You never know when somebody's going to pull your card. In other words, when somebody's going to say, hey, tell me about that person. Tell me about that story. Who is that right there? And at that moment, you want to have a good standing reputation. Amen. Here's a, here's, a, here's a bonus leadership tip from Ruth. Have a good reputation amongst your peers and those in who you walk, you walk with. 
I like this verse right here out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 22, verse one says it like this. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. In the ESV, it says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches in favor is better than silver or gold. In other words, here's what he's saying. If Ruth would have showed up with a stack of money and said, hey, I'm trying to buy your favor, favor, Boaz. I'm trying to get a spot here to glean from. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked. Boaz wasn't interested in her money. He didn't need to know what was in her bank account. He needed to know what was in her past. Not necessarily he needed to go digging for those things. He just said, let me know about your reputation. Are you faithful? Can I trust you? Are you down for this, this roller coaster journey that God has us on? Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. Are you gonna stay consistent throughout? And here's Ruth's reputation. When her husband passed, she still stayed faithful to her mother-in-law, right? When, when she had the opportunity to leave when stuff got hard, she didn't, she didn't leave and go back home. What she did was she went with her mother-in-law to Bethlehem, to a people that was unknown. And what happens here is Boaz says, as a leader, I can trust this woman. She has the reputation. And what he does is he builds her up. He affirms her story. And church, I just want to encourage you, find somebody today. Find somebody this week and make it a priority to build them up. Call somebody and say, hey, why are you calling me? Are you calling me to ask for something? No, I'm calling to build you up. I just want to take a moment and build you up. This is biblical. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says, encourage one another daily. Encouragement isn't an option in the church. Encouragement is a command for the church. Encouragement isn't something that we should just maybe do when we feel encouraged. We lend encouragement. No, we're called to put courage in to our brothers and sisters on a daily basis. Come on, fathers, look for moments to encourage your kids. Kids, look for moments to encourage your parents. Pastors, look for moments to encourage your people. Small group leaders, charge group leaders, people that are a part of kids ministry and youth ministry, build some people up, encourage some people. It's so important that the author of Hebrews says it like this. He says, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That there's some people that get hardened by sin because they're lacking in affirmation. Some people get hardened by sin because they're needing a word of encouragement. Now, I don't justify anybody's sin. Like nobody should sin and blame other people's lack of encouragement. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. However, I am saying that if you encourage people day by day, it's going to help them in their walk. And we saw that happen here with Ruth and Boaz. Let's do a better job of that. Come on, let's keep on going. As we continue reading, we read into verse 12. The scripture says, the Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The seventh point in this sermon is this. Boaz prays blessing over Ruth's life. 
Boaz prays blessing over her life. What makes Boaz an effective leader is that he prays blessing over her. He doesn't just affirm her. He doesn't just speak words of affirmation. What he does is he says, I want to pray words of affirmation over you. Here's what he says, right? He says, I'm praying that the Lord would repay you for what you have done. I'm praying for a full reward to be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. I love that right there. Love that Boaz says, you know what? If I could just pray something over you, it'd be this, that the Lord would just repay you for your work. He would repay you for your efforts, that he would, he would reward you for your faithfulness. I wonder if we did that more. Come on, I just want to do that right now. I just want to pray that over you right now. Would you just join me in a moment of prayer? Father, I want to pray for everybody watching this right now. Regardless of their past, regardless of their sin, maybe it's their first time watching this right now. I pray that they would come to you, Jesus, and that you would reward them for their faith, that you would bless them, that you would speak to them, that you would provide for them, that you would turn things that were upside down, right side up, God, that you would make negatives into positives, that you would give them optimistic faith that leads to expectant faith, that leads to saving faith. God, do a miracle in the people that's watching this right now. Take their faith up to a new level right now. I pray blessing over their life. And God, if there's something they need to repent of, I pray they do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to pray those words over you. Boaz, the seventh leadership tip is that he prays blessing over Ruth. Here's some of the language he uses. Psalm 91, verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Later in the psalm, Psalm 17, verse 8, previously, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Right? God does this. God says, I'll, I'll hide you underneath my God arms, my, my wings. My, I, I'm, he says, I'm a protector. I'm a provider. I'm going to keep you safe. God uses this imagery in this text, and Boaz knows it well. John MacArthur says it like this, and I thought this was an interesting take. He says, Boaz blessed Ruth in light of her newfound commitment to and dependence on the Lord. Later, he would become God's answer to this prayer. How about when Boaz says, Lord, reward her. Lord, bless her. Lord, repay her. You know what God was answering that prayer with? With him. Right? The, be careful what you pray for because sometimes you'll be the very answer of your prayer. God, I'm praying that this person would be discipled. What if God's saying, I want you to disciple them? God, I'm praying for this person to get more friends. What if God says, yeah, you're gonna be the friend? God, I'm praying for this person to be encouraged. And what if God's saying, yeah, give them encouragement? God, I'm praying for this person to experience freedom. God might use you to be the one who gives that 
type of freedom to that person through the gospel, through encouragement, through the word. Amen? God would use Boaz to answer his prayer for her life. All right, we're almost done. Let's go ahead and make our way to the last couple. So we could keep reading. We go into verse 14 and 13. Then he said, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord. For you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. So here's Ruth's response to Boaz as he speaks these words of affirmation and praise blessing. Right now, Ruth says this. She goes, I've found favor in your eyes, my Lord. Lowercase L, Lord. She's not referring to him as God. Don't, don't worry about that. You have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I'm not even one of your servants. What, here, how about Ruth? She, she, goes, she, she affirms Boaz's leadership there too, right? Ruth says, you're a leader because you comforted me. You're a leader because you spoke kindly to me. Man, as, a, as, as an aspiring leader myself, I'm, I'm learning here. Boaz is leading with comfort. Boaz is leading with kindness. These are things that I want to grow in. These are things that we, as leaders, should grow in. Verse 14 goes on to say this. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here, eat some bread, dip your morsel in the wine. Now, this is powerful right here. The eighth leadership tip that I get from Boaz is this. He breaks bread with her. If it wasn't enough to give her insightful wisdom, if it wasn't enough to ensure her protection, if it wasn't enough to surround her with community, if it wasn't enough to pray for her and bless her, Boaz goes beyond all that and says, I want to break bread with you. Let's share a meal together. Let's not just go to church together. Let's eat together. This sounds more and more like the New Testament to me the more we read it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says it like this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. They devoted themselves to fellowship, that koinonia, that one another relationship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, eating together, sharing meals together. And they devoted themselves to the prayers. They devoted themselves to going to God on behalf of one another. The New Testament church exploded because they did, they, they, they did these things. I want to encourage you this week to be an effective leader and to invite somebody to eat together with. When's the last time you had somebody who wasn't your best friend or your family member When's the last time you invited somebody to come over to your house to break bread with? What if you did that this week? What if you said, hmm, maybe you went to prayer and you said, God, put whoever you want to put on our heart so that we can invite them over and break bread with them. What if all throughout this week, our church is meeting together in different homes, in pockets, in restaurants, in places, utilizing social distancing, no doubt, eating together. Effective leadership looks like breaking bread with one another. Amen? John Maxwell says, leaders become great not because of their power, but because of their ability to empower others.
I love how, how Boaz empowers Ruth to do something that would have been super countercultural, which is eat with him. Like, notice that verse one more time. It says, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. He says, come here, Ruth. He, he, here's, my, here's my little, I like, try, like to think of like a macaroni grill or a carabas, one of those places where they give you a little bowl of the oil and they bring you out the bread. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And you dip your bread into the oil. Boaz says, here, here's the oil. In this case, it was the wine. Dip it in, have some of mine. What a leader this guy is. What a leader Boaz is demonstrating leadership with his life. Making our way into the ninth point. It says that she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. The ninth leadership tip in this sermon today is this. He shows no partiality. Boaz, he doesn't show partiality here. Notice what it says. She sat beside the reapers. Friend, there was a very real difference between reapers and gleaners, right? The reapers actually got to reap the harvest. The reapers were out there doing their job, reaping up all the grains, reaping up the harvest, and then they would take that and they would distribute it, they would eat from it, they were living out their occupation. Ruth was somebody who would stay underneath the reapers, and if she could just glean some of the scraps from the reapers, that was a big deal. She just got promoted from gleaner to reaper in a moment. All of a sudden, she's eating with Boaz. She's sitting with the reapers. She's dipping her bread in there. Literally, that same morning, she just said, I'm just gonna go and find favor. That optimistic faith leads to expectant faith. And suddenly, you're sitting with Boaz. This is a moment right here. I love how he didn't show partiality, even though Boaz had every right to show it. Let me remind you of a staggering text here. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3, here's the text. No Ammonite or Moabite, which was Ruth's background, she was a Moabite, or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. So Boaz would have known the law. He was a man of God. He was a man of the word. He knew the God of Israel. This was an important verse. And yet here's what he decides. He says, this lady Ruth, though she's a Moabite, she's from Moab, she's here now and she's put her faith in the God of the Bible and that faith is counted as righteousness to her because God is one day gonna send a Messiah. His name is gonna be Yahshua, Jesus. He's gonna rise up and he's gonna defend the rights of the poor. He's gonna live the perfect life that we could never live. He's gonna die the, the sinner's death. Isaiah 53 is gonna take place and he's gonna pay for the penalty. He's gonna crush the serpent's head as it says in Genesis 3.15 and then he's gonna raise from the grave as it says in Joel that he's gonna rise up defeating death sin and Satan, that no corruption will touch his body, Psalm 16, and he will save, this Messiah will one day save. And, and, and he's looking future 
to that Messiah, and he says, I'm not going to count this Moabite as that. I'm going to count her as righteous. To even sit with me, I'm not going to show any partiality. And friend, in the church, we should not show partiality either. It tells us here in the New Testament in Colossians 3.11, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is about Christ. He says that these different things and these different identities, that we're no longer bound by these identities. We don't make these identities idolatry. Right? He actually says we, we, we don't judge by those standards. We judge by Christ. And that is not to say a pendulum swing, right, that we don't see people's background or see people's culture because God says he sees those things and he says they're beautiful. Right? God is very creative. He's masterful. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that we are his masterpieces created in Christ Jesus for good works. God is very intentional in the way he made you. And we should see color and we should see culture and we should see those things, right? But those things should not divide us. Those things should not separate. Those things are things we should celebrate. But not in such a way where it clouds our identity because before anything, Come on, friend, our identity is in Christ. Boaz does not show partiality. Romans chapter 2, verse 11 says it like this. God does not show favoritism. Amen? God doesn't show favoritism. Neither should we. Okay, final point in this sermon today. Final point, we're making our way into the 10th leadership point from Boaz. I know we've covered a lot. I hope that this has been helpful. Even if you just get one of these leadership points, God has been kind to us today. The verses finish up in verses 15 and 16. It says, when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the boundless from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. The final point in this sermon is this, that Boaz goes over and above to show honor. Here's what I believe, that as leaders and as Christians and as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we should go over and above to show honor that we're called to be honoring people, even though she has a different background and upbringing and city. Boaz goes over and above to show her honor. Notice in the text one more time. It says, when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, and here's what he said. He gave them instruction. He said, let her glean among the sheaves. Don't reproach her. And also, Pull out some from the bundles for her. Leave it for her to glean. Don't rebuke her. Boaz is going out of his way to advocate for her. He's going out of his way to make sure that she has everything that she needs. Romans 12.10 says that we're called to love one another with brotherly affection, outdoing one another in showing honor. I want to encourage you. The people in your life, find ways to outdo them 
in showing honor. This is what Boaz does for Ruth, doesn't he? Right, we see it in Philippians 2. Let me give you one more verse. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Don't do anything from selfish ambition. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I love how Boaz says, I'm not gonna just look into my own interests. I'm gonna look to Ruth's interests. I'm not just gonna look to my own selfish ambitions. I'm gonna count other people as more significant than me. I've been trying to practice this as of late, right? As there's a lot of people hurting in the community and culture today. Right, there's a lot of people that are broken. Right now, in the, the reality is, right, even as Pastor Dean already shared earlier today, right, th- there's a lot of division and brokenness. And I think what we need to do right now is we, we need to abandon selfish ambition. We need to abandon vain conceit. And in, in humility, look at people that are hurting and broken. And I think we can really do this specifically in the black community right now if I'm honest, and we can say, how do I love better? How, how can I count others as more significant than myself? How can I look to others, right, and consider their interests more important than mine? That's what I see as Christ-like in this story, and I really believe Boaz, he does that for Ruth, And friends, is this not what Jesus does for us? If I can just go ahead and list all 10 one more time. Tell me if you can see Jesus in this. Treating others with respect. Providing helpful insight. Inviting into community. Prioritizing protection. Providing essential needs. Speaking words of affirmation, praying blessing over lives, breaking bread with one another, showing no partiality, going over and above with honor. This is what I see Jesus doing in the gospel. This is what I see Christ doing for us. And if I'm honest, these verses in Ruth are, are calling me and calling us to see Jesus more clearly, to see Jesus as the better Boaz, to see us as a similar person to Ruth, the foreigner that is in need of a savior, that's in need of a redeemer, and God sends Jesus at just the right time. And he shows us respect, and he shows us love, and he gives up his life. He invites us to the table. He breaks bread by giving up his life. He gives us more than enough. He sacrificially endures the cross, despises the shame, and gives his life for sinners like me and you. But he doesn't stay dead, friend. Oh, he rises from the grave, and he says everybody who calls upon his name, the name of Jesus, will be saved. So if you need to call upon the name of Jesus today, I want to invite you to do that with me right now. And if you need to return to him today, maybe you've, maybe you've drifted from your faith in Jesus, you just need to return to him today. You can do that right now.
or maybe God exposed something to you through one of these leadership tips and you need to repent of something, you need to make a relationship right, or you need to start doing some of these today, you can do that right now. Let's go to God with expectant faith and a spirit of prayer together. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're praying. God, for those who don't know you as Savior, for those who don't know you as the Lion and the Lamb, the one who died and rose again, who's coming back again, who loves everybody watching this right now, save them. Save them. Come on, just call upon Jesus right now and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, change me. Jesus, fill my heart with faith. Expectant, optimistic faith. Jesus, save me. I repent of my sins. I turn away from my wrongdoing. I turn away from lust. I turn away from pride. I turn away from selfishness. I turn away from ignorance. I turn away from from lying. I turn away from thievery. I turn away from selfish ambition. I turn to you, Jesus, surrendered in all. And maybe you need to come back to Jesus right now. Maybe you've drifted a little bit and you need to return to him as father. You need to return to the good father. On this Father's Day, 2020, this could be your moment where you came back to the father. And I pray that this would be a moment for you to do that right now and see the father himself with open arms that you can hide underneath his wings and return to him in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity to do this right now. I just feel like this is a special moment. I want to call upon our brother Vashon, one of our worship leaders here at Walk Church, to lead us in a time of response to this message today where you can go to God as a loving, living father. Thank you.